to the Token and Hop Show on the Rose to Liberty Network. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Token and Hob Show on the Road to Liberty Network. It is a Tuesday night. As we speak, there is... Oh, good. Let me let me turn that off. <laughs> there is a Democratic debate going on right now. As we speak, I'm sure there's a lot of free stuff being offered to a lot of people, but we're not interested in any of that. We're interested in liberty, and liberty has nothing to do with the Democratic Party. So, as always, I'm your host, Token, and I'm joined by my fearless leader in crime, Mr. Hobbs. What is up, man? Always a good Tuesday when you're live streaming. I know, right? It is a, it's a fun time to be alive. We, we, I think last time we had a Democrat debate, we, uh, we did a short live stream of the Alex Jones coverage of the Democratic debate. It was kind of funny because we were commenting on the Infowars commentary on the Democratic debate. It was yes. kind of weird. Yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, I always enjoy their stuff, and if anybody feels the need to, it's uh, clownworld.us. They're they're doing a forty-hour uh, like coverage that started at eight o'clock this morning. It's going for forty full hours until uh, six o'clock tomorrow. So after you're done watching our pretty faces, go over and support them at clownworld.us. Yeah, I can't think of a better name for, for for coverage of the Democratic debate. It's absolutely. <laughs> is that a horn? That is. The, bring, that's the horn. Okay, we got to make that horn a thing. Every time we mention something absolutely crazy, you got to honk that horn. Oh my god! So, so what do we have today? So, I think it's. We're, we're both members of the Libertarian Party. In fact, I am a member of the State Central Committee here in Nebraska. And there was a, the LNC, the National Libertarian uh, Committee, they had a meeting, one of their quarterly meetings in Austin this last weekend. And seems like a lot of controversy came out of that. A lot of, uh, there, there was a bit of a contentious issue brought up and yeah so let, let, let's get down to what, what exactly happened here in Austin well Nick Sarwak is the chair of the Libertarian Party and apparently about six weeks ago a one Lauren Daudry who was the was it the the development coordinator I think is the was the name of her position she was basically the individual who was in charge of fundraising for the libertarian party now she decided six weeks ago that she was going to resign from her position because she was being overworked and did not feel like she was getting the help she needed to do her job so she decided hey you know what if I'm not going to get any help in fundraising especially from the chair Nick Sawak which she specifically made sure to mention, uh, I'm not going to do it anymore. And she decided to step down. Well, the uh, the chair and the executive director did not take this opportunity to find a good replacement for her right away and instead waited till, well, now to bring a very contentious motion to the floor. And that motion was to make uh, Nick Sarwak the 
interim development coordinator or to, to, to give to give him a contract to raise funds in the meantime before we can hire someone else to fill that position. Now, it's important to note that Lauren was paid $35 an hour and she was a full-time worker, worker for the Libertarian Party. Nick, who is currently chair, said that he would not do the job for any less than $75 an hour. That is a hefty sum, especially yes, for is. someone working for the Libertarian Party. This is not a party that is in the best financial situation right now. It's a party that's been running deficits. We don't have a lot of money to begin with. It's just not a... a it's very odd that we would even consider hiring somebody at the tune of $75 an hour to uh, to do fundraising. Now, you got to watch some of the video today. What, what was the, some of the takeaway that you had from that? Well, from what I've been able to gather, my audio wasn't very good in my, my earbuds because I work in a machine shop. So it was you know kind of hard for me to hear all the details of it. But uh, my my takeaway was that uh, Miss Dougherty was overworked. Nick comes in and offers to do this position for more than double what she was being paid. Says he's already got all these big donors lined up and and all this stuff. So it it, it kind of strikes me. I mean, I don't want to impugn. Nick's character. I don't know him personally. I've met him a few times down in Orlando a few years ago. Seems like a very lawyery type of guy. You know, I would have swore that he was a lawyer at Isn't that time. He? I think he's a used car salesman or something. You no, know, yeah, that's that's but, his that's his job right now. Well, yeah. it was, but it was until recently. You know, the thing is, is like it, he's he's currently the chair of a political party that is about as it's like herding cats in the LP. It is a, a chaotic place. And that's part of its charm is, is the chaotic disunity. There's, there's naked people dancing around yeah. on stage, dildo waivers. Yeah. It's all sorts socialists of socialists, fascists running in and out everywhere. It's a, right. It's a, it is a silly place. So so this guy is, in essence, head herder of cats. And he is going to be taking on the additional responsibilities of a person who resigned because they were overworked. Uh, and he says that he's got all of these big donors lined up in order to justify the princely sum of $75 an hour to do this. Now, one thing that came through loud and clear when he was making an argument was that he cares more about this party than he cares about sitting in the seat. To me, and by the seat, I mean the chairman's position, to me, a man who says that he has all of these big-time donors lined up and says that he cares more about the party than sitting in his current seat would have gone to this record-setting fundraiser that we had with uh, uh, Miss Dougherty and said, hey, 
here's all these big time donors. Here's all these contacts that I have. I see that your workload is insane. So take these contacts and take it a little bit easier on yourself. Here's a cool hundred grand easy money. Instead, it seems to me that he kept it to himself. Now, like, like I said, I don't want to impugn his character, but he kind of angled his way into this position as an easy paycheck because he is in the process of moving cross-country from Phoenix, Arizona to New Hampshire in order to do LP stuff full-time and to become a part of the New Hampshire Free State Project. To me, it seems as if he's using this position, the $75 an hour fundraising position, to bankroll and subsidize his cross-country move. And there's an article on binglibertarian.com that essentially made this case that it, it I like, like you said, we don't know what the motives behind this is, but the optics look about as good as the inside of a septic tank. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, the chair of the Libertarian Party is does not have a job right now. He's, he had to quit his job in order to relocate his family from Phoenix to New Hampshire. And he has not found new employment in New Hampshire yet. It, the, the timing is very suspicious in and of itself. Put on top of that the fact that the reason uh, Ms. Daughtry is leaving is because of the workload being too much. And specifically, she made the complaint that the chair of the party was not giving her the help that she thought she deserved from him. That as chair, he should have been helping her when they were behind in paying their staff. And to me, that sounds absolutely insane that you would allow yourself to fall behind paying the staff. That's, that's, that's number one. You pay your people first, right? That, that, that seems like something that absolutely has to happen. And if you're falling behind paying your staff, then it's all hands on deck for fundraising in order to fix that problem. And apparently that didn't happen. Apparently, uh, Nick Sarwak allowed this situation to go on and didn't give her the help she needed. Now, fat, now fast forward, she's decided to resign. She gave six weeks notice about this. Um, the, the, the chair and the executive director did not go out and make an effort right away to find a permanent replacement for this. Instead, they settled on this idea of Nick taking over the job temporarily. The very guy whose help was denied to the person who is now quitting. Now he's stepping in and says, I'll do it. I'll do this job that you were doing for $35 an hour, but I won't do it for any less than $75 an hour. And he gave this really ridiculous excuse like, oh, I mean, this, this is way less than I'm worth. First of all, anyone working for the Libertarian Party probably taking way less than they're worth to begin with. So there, take that as you will. But he also said, no, I might not be able to buy a house with this. Like, are you What? You're not moving to Manhattan. You're moving to Manhattan. To, to New Hampshire, you mean to tell me you can't buy a house in New Hampshire on the measly sum of $75 an hour? Like, really? Do you not live in the real world here? $75 an hour is more than enough to buy a house. And the original motion did not have any upper limit in the number of hours that he could put towards this. You know, they, they, they added an amendment to the motion to, to limit him to 40 hours a week. 
But the original motion that he put forward had no limit at all. So got, he could work a ton of hours and get paid a ton of money. I mean, we want we want a fundraiser to do that. But for the price of $75 an hour, my, my goodness, that's a lot of money. And for a party that's already in financial straits, it doesn't seem justifiable in the least bit. Right, and um, I didn't. I didn't get to the part where the 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 amendments and everything were finalized. But he, from what I what, from what I was able to gather, he basically you know guaranteed this sum of money that he was going to be able to uh, to to fundraise while in this position. Was anything anything put forward to? have any kind of repercussions if he didn't make that guaranteed payment? No, he, he essentially said, he was essentially asked this question. It's like, okay, so you're going to work so many hours for so much money. So this is what it comes out to. Um, so can you guarantee me you're going to make that? And he goes, yes, I can guarantee you that. They're like, oh, that's it. That's all I need to know. He's, yeah. he's like, wait a, wait, wait a second here. How can you guarantee that? No, I mean, well, there's no way you can actually guarantee that unless you already have the money on hand. You know, I get that even if you're confident that the money's going to be there, like you have so many pledges for funds. Yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen. Those guys could say, oh, no, actually, sorry, I need that money for something else. And you're just going to live without it. Right. And if it was, a, like I said earlier, if it was a guarantee, if he ha either has the money on hand or he's got the you know contracts signed or handshake agreements from the wealthy donors who are going to make these donations. Then why did he not pass these contact information on to Miss Dougherty when the chance was there? Yeah, it seems like he 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 went out fundraising specifically to fund his salary. Right. Like okay, guys. Hey, you, like he he got a hold of the the uh, the donor list, which he has access to as chair of the party. Mm -hmm. Called up these guys and said, "Hey, guys, I'm between jobs and I'm moving across country. Could you all do me a solid and pledge to pay my salary, um, so so that I can do some fundraising for the party?" And then did make him fundraiser, and all of a sudden, all this money that he went out specifically for his. Uh, his salary, he produces it, and like, oh goodness, what a great fundraiser! What a good right. fundraiser you are! Yeah, is this some Nick Sauer twenty-seven dimension underwater backgammon? Like, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Like I said, I don't know him personally. I don't know his motives. I don't want to make the blanket claim that he's <laughs> trying to pull one over on people. But like I said, the optics of this situation. Are about as they look about as good as the inside of a septic tank. They and they they're, they're it's bad. It's really bad, and it does make it does make it look like that. Like you would like if you can just just go out and raise these funds. Why can't you just raise them for the party without having to take a seventy five dollar an hour salary? Why why are you raising money specifically for your paycheck and not for the party? Right, it's putting the cart before the horse. It's like I've got all this money, but you guys aren't going to get it unless you give me all of this money. Yeah, exactly. And and, and 
the the suggestion was made that he worked for twenty five dollars an hour, and if he produces, if he reaches his the the goal they set for him for fundraising, then they would give him a bonus that would equal out to what the seventy five dollars per hour would have been, which I would prefer that because that's yeah. accountability. You know, you're you're it's getting a guarantee of your money back. You pay right. him. Don't reach your goal, no bonus for you. Yeah, exactly. And and we just hand you out the $25 an hour in the meantime. And hey, that's $10 less than what the previous person was taking. So win-win either way for us. He turned that down. He didn't like that idea. You know, the, another, another suggestion was that he simply have all these donors contribute to a GoFundMe account. This was a, a Karen Ann Harlow's suggestion. That, hey, you, you have all these people who are already pledging to donate to your salary. Why don't you just have them do that and then just go out and fundraise anyway on your own accord? As chair of the party, you should already be fundraising anyway. So if you want to be paid for that by these donors, just have them pay you for it. No, that that didn't go over either. Yeah, yeah. Either it's suggestion a, would work. I know it's a it's a real, real shisty kind of situation. It was, it was. Uh, like I said, Karen Ann Harlow, she was probably the most outspoken person on the LNC in regards to this issue. She was not happy at all and and lauren was wasn't either you could you could practically hear the frustration in her voice as she was trying to explain these and she had a really good point near the end right before the vote was taken that this is going to destroy morale among the staff because we have a staff a very professional staff a staff that does a ton of work and they don't get anywhere near the uh, appreciation they deserve you know and they're not working for $75 an hour. In fact, Lauren was one of what on the upper end of staff payments at $35 an hour. You know, and the rest are making less than that. Way below right. what they deserve. And here comes the chair of the Libertarian Party, the person who's in charge of the staff, the head of the committee, you know, the top guy. And he's coming in and saying, hey guys, I'm not gonna work for any less than 70. You guys gotta pay me $75 an hour. To, to do a job, I to do fundraising, which I should already be doing anyway. Oh, by the way, I, this just so happens to coincide with my cross-country move to a new state that I haven't found a job in yet. Plus, yep. I've been sitting on this job for six weeks. Plus, I'm the one of the reasons the first person is quitting in the first place. Yeah, and there was also the, the big hullabaloo about uh, the... A uh, gal that Miss Dougherty suggested be her replacement. I don't remember. I don't remember that part. Yeah, it was towards it was uh, it was towards the beginning. There was somebody that in the resignation, I think Miss Dougherty, you know, put forward that there was uh, somebody who did an awful lot of volunteer work, uh, was he had great instincts, and any areas that she was. Uh, lacking in, in like a technical sense, would be easily teachable. And uh, it was just kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. And it kept getting brought up over and over and over again in the first hour or so. And it just kept like, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. You know. All right, speak of the devil, we have uh, Karen Ann Harlos joining us right now. Let me bring her in so we can get her side of the story. Hi, Karen hey, Ann, how you doing? 
Uh, Hello. Can you hear me? We, I yes, can we hear you. Or no? Okay, perfect. Because I had to sh screw around with some settings I wasn't really, you know, expecting so far. I just woke up literally. Awesome. Well, we're, we're glad you could uh, join us. We were just talking about this, this, these shenanigans that were going on in Austin. And we're not really on the inside. We weren't there. We don't know a lot of the people involved on this. So we wanted to get an insider perspective on what happened. And you seem to be one of the most vocal people in the room. Both of us watched uh, a good deal of the video from Austin. So why don't, why don't you tell us your perspective about what went down? Certainly. And break in with questions because sometimes I tend to like ramble around a point because I know what the point is. And I just assume everyone else I can read my mind. And you definitely don't want to do that. It's a scary place. <laughs> but um, and listening there w w will help a lot. Um, first thing, though, I would anyone who is surprised by this, they're surprised because they don't read the LNC business list. And I cannot say that enough. Normally, it's as dry as toast and the most boring thing you'll ever read outside of a golf magazine. But every once in a while, it heats up. And three weeks up to this, that list was on fire with this subject. And a lot of needed context was there. And it would behoove you, if you're really interested in it, to go back and read the past messages. Because again, there's a lot of there's a lot of context there. Basically, so Lauren Doherty was our development director, someone I'm a huge, huge fan of. I think she's best employees we've ever had. She gave her notice. And then it was weeks before anything was even done about this. And then soon after that, we were presented with this proposal of hiring Nick as a contractor part-time. What I mean by part-time is he would do it full-time, but, but for only like three months, you know, it wasn't a permanent gig to fill in her shoes until we could find somebody else because we were in such dire straits. It kept getting painted as a paid chair position, which technically it was not. Now that I said technically it was not, I still think it was because fundraising is part of what the chair is supposed to do. How do we separate out the amount of fundraising that was already supposed to be done with the amount that's done, you know, as this contractor, you know, to listen, I, I, I'm known sometimes for the inappropriate analogies, but let's just say in my marriage, my husband wanted a little more attention than I was giving him. But of course, as a wife, I'm expected to give a certain amount. How much would I charge for the extra, right? How do you parse out what I'm supposed to do? So I, I, I kind of looked at it that way and I just didn't think it was possible. Plus the fact Part of the attraction of bringing Nick on was that we were in an emergency situation. But who created this emergency situation? Nick and the executive director. And the executive director who suggested Nick was just hired by Nick. It was just too much conflict. Now, I want to make it straight right up front. I'm not claiming anyone did anything wrong because I don't know that. All I know is that the appearance of unethical impropriety was humongous. I don't know what anyone's intentions are. I don't accuse anybody of doing anything wrong. But the way it looked that if we saw this happen in the government or in another political party, we would be pointing fingers all over the place. And for us to do it? No, no way.
And I don't personally ever think an LNC member should be a paid contractor. There might be some exceptions, like if we needed, again, I always come up with colorful examples. You know, if we needed to to build, you know, I don't know, a, a robot petitioner or something, and the only guy in the world who knew how to do that happened to be an LNC member, well, that's kind of a weird situation. Okay. But if there are other qualified people on the planet we could hire, it doesn't need to be an LNC member because there's a lot of people qualified to be LNC members. Let that person resign, take the job, and we'll replace them as an LNC member. Nobody on the LNC is irreplaceable. And I know a lot of people don't like me for saying that I still think Nick is the best chair we ever had. That being said, he's not irreplaceable. And if his services were better suited raising money he should have resigned his chair simple as that all right so i, I want to uh back up a little bit too. i need my uh, caffeine just so you know okay yeah let's go right ahead i know all about that um so when was this uh proposal to bring nick on as the contractor position when was this first thrown out there was this at that meeting no. or was this weeks ago it was about three weeks ago so don't hold me specifically on times, but let me give you a general, they'll be generally right. Lauren gave six weeks notice. We're at the, like the last three days of those six weeks notice for, we knew about her leaving about a week and a half after her notice. We did not know the day of, and that bothers me, at least as officers, the officer should have known that day. The minute her resignation was accepted, the officer should have known. We were not. As an officer was told at the same time as the rest of the LNC. And yeah, I'm salty about that. So about a week and a half, the whole LNC was told. About another week and a half after that, this proposal to hire Nick was brought. So that's three weeks after Lauren's resignation, during which time no other solution was pursued. And then another three weeks of arguing about it on the LNC list, and then we had the meeting. The minute I heard about it, NASA could attract me because I went into orbit. Wow. Um, right, so so yeah. here, here's something that, that was on the, uh, the Being Libertarian article that was written. It, it said that there was no effort to try to get Lauren to change her mind or to sweeten the deal for her, get some help for her that could maybe induce her to stay. Is that true? I'm not Lauren and I wasn't there. That being said, I believe it's true because Lauren said it was true. Nick says it's not. Um, if I were on a jury, I would have believed Lauren. Okay. Yeah. Because that was the, that was the, the, the big reason that she gave for wanting to step down, that she was not given the help she needed that the party was running a deficit, it was behind in paying officers, which is a really big deal, not paying your staff, that's that's huge. Not paying, officers don't get paid. I know sometimes the terms might not mean as much to people who aren't, on the outside, you're using it a little bit more interchangeable than we would. Officers are, LNC, are parts of the LNC, staff is what you're trying to say, staff okay. and directors. So, so she said during the meeting, that while the staff was while they were behind payments to the staff, she was reaching out to Nick to to get help with fundraising, which it's part of the chair's job. You would think that that's something that would be you know on his doorstep anyway, but that she would reach out to him to try to get help in fundraising to get enough money to pay the staff, and 
he wasn't there to help out. And this kind of frustration over that is what led her to quit. Is that's that's the idea I got from the from the article and from the meeting. Uh, you're too short range on that. That's partially true, but I need to think you need to broaden it out. Lauren's been on staff for about three years. For three years, she's had a lot of very um, ambitious fundraising plans. Lauren doesn't come from us, you know, just, you know, out of McDonald's. Like, you know, she didn't used to be a cashier and then become our, our development director. She's a pro. She came from other organizations and actually was taking significantly less pay to work with us than she could have gotten elsewhere. From what I understand, again, I'm not Lauren. I wasn't there in the negotiations. I'm going by what, who I believe from everything that I've heard. And I don't have inside information with that because the officers this time, me, Alex, Tim Hagen, were not treated as officers. I don't know anything that the rest of the LNC doesn't know. That's a whole other issue. Um, she had things she wanted the LNC to do. She was asking us to get a more robust fundraising plan for years. And we always, and when I say we, even I say we because all of us are responsible, even if any one of us individually was not. And people get mad at me for saying the LNC screwed up and they go, I didn't. I, no, you're part of the LNC. I'm part of the LNC. So I say we. So she kept asking us to take fundraising more seriously, to do this, to do this, to do this. And she got a lot of blah, 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 yeah, 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 but nothing ever really got done. And then we came to the point where Wes, uh, our former ED, resigned. And she had to take on both roles. So not only was she doing the job of a whole fundraising department, she was also interim executive director. And that's just when I think the dam broke. And during that time, she felt that the entire LNC should have also taken on some extra roles because we were in an emergency situation, particularly the chair. Whether this is true or not, this is going by what Lauren says. Lauren says that she asked for Nick to do more and that he did not. I don't know who's telling the truth. I, what I did do to try to figure it out is I went back and looked at the chair's reports and I don't see anything extra in them. If there was some extra things done, it wasn't reported. So what do you do there? You know, of course, anyone will tell you I'm the fan of the 110 page report. So, you know, me, I, I don't want to see a one page report, but that's my fetish. Don't shame me for my kinks. Uh, but it wasn't in the report. So I tend to believe Lauren on that. And I can tell you for Lauren to talk as much as she did, I was shocked because that is not Lauren. She does not. I had been trying to get out of her for weeks. That's why if you had read the list, I kept saying, something's wrong here. We need an exit interview with this lady. Why did we lose her? And every, no one else on the LNC was interested in an exit L uh, interview. You go read the list for yourself because everyone now might be going, oh, da, da. read the list. I'm going, we need an exit interview. And everyone kept saying, oh, no, we trust the employment um, policy. Um, there's EPCC. It's a certain... A committee that we have to do the exit interview. I said, I, I don't. 
It's four older guys. I'm not trying to be all identity politics here, but I know that I would be a bit intimidated as the only woman in the room with four older guys that have been in the party forever if I felt I had to say something negative about respected people in the party. She should be able to choose certain people to do her exit interview. If that's who she would prefer, that's up to her. But she and I had been, you know, not BFF or anything like that, but I know she was comfortable with me. So I wanted to be at that extra interview to make sure we were getting the truth and nobody backed me up on that. So um, the LP, especially compared to like the Republican and Democrat parties, we're small fry. We don't have a whole lot of money. And you got your main fundraiser here saying, hey, we need a more robust fundraising mechanism. We need to do more to get money. We're, we're not in the black and, you know, going on and on and on. And, and she's just kind of getting waved away uh, for a party that my initial draw to the LP was just the borderline obsessive compulsive uh, focus on, on fiscal policy. Why was her... Uh, her, her calls for, for a more robust fundraising mechanism just like casually dismissed like that. Okay. I wouldn't call it casual. You know, in hindsight, it's so easy to say, oh, that's obvious. You shouldn't have acted that way. But when things are happening, it's not. There are dozens of things competing for our attention. In hindsight, it seems obvious. <laughs> but at the time... There's a million other things we had to do. And losing our executive director was a big thing that took focus away from other things. And also, this LNC got saddled with something that the last L – okay, for one thing, I don't think we should ever be able to pass a deficit budget. I think it – call me crazy, but I don't think libertarians should be able to pass a deficit budget. You no, would think that'd be obvious. Yeah, that's like, like how I, much we make fun of the government for doing just that every year. Yeah, like okay. I said, that was my number one draw to the LP yeah. was the fiscal responsibility angle. So the LNC changes every two years. The last LNC, the December before the 2018 convention, passed a deficit budget of I'm not exact on the totals, about two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. And I think I'm being conservative. So we inherited that. Lauren inherited that. If we didn't inherit that, we would be doing wonderful right now. So this LNC came with a handicap we should have never have come. And that budget passed overwhelmingly. There were, I think Dr. Lark voted no. I got chastised the other day from going from memory because I did miss out a few people who voted no. And I apologize for that. I know Star Child voted, voted no. Dr. Lark voted no. I abstained. People asked me why I abstained instead of no, I abstained because I did not have, I was a regional director right then. I wasn't a secretary and I didn't have specific direction from my region where to cut. And if I don't have a solution, I don't like being one of those people that vote down everything without having an alternate plan, but I certainly wasn't going to vote yes. I would have stayed there for a week to give me time to talk to my region before I ever voted yes. So, but I might be missing somebody, but to my recollection, everyone else voted yes. So we're talking about at least 12 people voting yes on that. So this LNC inherited that, and most of the people who voted for that aren't on this LNC. So we, you got to cut the people there some slack. And Nick didn't vote for it. Nick doesn't usually vote, as chairs normally don't. 
unless he's going to be a um, a tiebreaker. And if he voted no, it wouldn't have made a difference in the world. So that's not anything you can you can lay at Nick's feet at all. So that is part of the problem too. So it, it ended up being a perfect storm. You know, sometimes there isn't always the clear villain. As far as the situation we're in with not having the fundraising department we should have had, there's no clear villain. But ending Lauren's relationship with the party this way, no, there's villains in this thing. Mm -hmm. We did Lauren wrong. And if you, I don't know if you listened to the portion of the recording where I tried to get them to suspend the rules so that I could introduce a resolution, a formal apology to Lauren. Yeah, and that did that. not pass. From what I understand, Joshua Smith also apologized to her on the record. I didn't hear it, but he let me know he did. So obviously he did. Um, and I obviously did. So as far as I know, at least publicly, she and he and I are the only ones who did. Others may have, and I didn't hear it. So I'm willing to be corrected there. But I know the LNC itself couldn't see its way clear to pass a resolution of apology. We did that lady wrong. Oh, absolutely. Um, la last question I want to know, like Nick, Nick made a big deal about making the case that he had already raised funding to cover his salary. He, mm -hmm. he even he went so far as to guarantee that not only would the salary be covered with new money, but he'd be able to raise more besides that. He, he went so far as to guarantee that. Now, I don't know if you know the answer for this, but to me, that sounds like he went he went out looking for donations specifically to cover this salary before even bringing this up so that he would be able to, to make that point. Do you know anything about that or if that's the case or not? I don't, but I don't think that's a reasonable assumption. I, I think probably what happened is the big donors who read the LNC list came to him and offered. That's that, that would have been my instinct that before this was proposed, he didn't have that in hand or it would have been mentioned in that initial email. And that when the controversy exploded, that certain key donors probably on their own contacted him and offered to pay. All you right. Know, well, see, things are bad enough that you, we don't need to look for more things to make things bad, you know? So I really don't think that that happened. So, but as you know, in the meeting, then why don't they just give the money to him directly in a GoFundMe? And then he could go do what he wants. He doesn't need our permission. Well, There's yeah, plenty that's... of things. When when the LP starts doing, because listen, I think sometimes, you know, like right now, it's it's no secret that I haven't been happy with some things that have been going on in Colorado. But rather than sit and, you know, whine and moan about it, uh, my husband and I are going to start a pack and we're just going to go do some things that we want to do. You don't need the LP's blessing for everything. Just go do it. What's stopping you from doing it now has been my refrain. And I learned that from Nick, by the way. Awesome. Well, like, like I've been saying since we started the show, I don't want to assume bad motives on the part of any of these people. But when the optics look like the inside of the septic tank, like these do, it, it, it leads to questions that need answering. So I'm glad that you were able to come on, clear a little bit of that for us so that we're not just shooting in the dark. Because like I said, we're not there. We, were, we weren't uh, sitting in those one-on-one -on -one meetings we I, I neither of us know nick or most of the people 
on the LNC. So I wanted to get someone who was actually there to come in yeah. and give us their perspective. Well, and a lot of times you're going to hear from people who didn't like Nick to begin with. And that can be problematic. I have always had the utmost respect for Nick. I think he really like screwed the pooch here. But I'm not a Nick is a bad man. What's it? Or if you had orange man bad, what would it be? Uh, I don't know. Sarwark man bad, you know, a snarky man bad. And I don't have that opinion. I've always admired Nick, but this was no bueno. All right, Karen Ann. Thank you for coming on and, and giving us that. We're, we're going to go on for a little bit longer. We have a few more topics we want to cover, sure. but thank you for coming on and giving your perspective. All right. You have an awesome night. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was really fun. Now, we, we, we reached out to her trying. We wanted someone from the LNC to give us their perspective because, like I said, we're just shooting in the we, – we both watched the video from Austin, but there's a lot of stuff you miss. And neither of us – we neither of us can – can uh, give a whole lot of time to researching this topic specifically, but you know what? That's all we're going to say about that. We're gonna we're gonna move on to a different topic. And like I said, there's a there's a Democratic debate going on tonight, and there was a certain proposal made from a one John Delaney that really caught my interest, and it caught my interest because the Atlantic wrote an article uh, demonizing it. You know, and what this proposal was, I, I, I'm going to say right now, I see it on the same level of slavery. He calls for the creation of a mandatory national service where once individuals graduate high school or turn eight years, 18 years old, they have to join one of three services for one to two years. Um, they can join the military, which comes with all the service requirements of that. You can't join the military for two years. You got to be in it for four. So that's, I guess, an exception there. You can join that. You can join an infrastructure program. I guess you build roads and crap. Or you could join a climate core. Which is retarded. Which is very retarded. Now, of course... This is a mandatory program. This is not something you have a choice in. This is something you have to do upon graduating high school. And what really got me wanting to, to talk about this topic was I went into the comments section of that Atlantic article, you know, thinking I'd see a bunch of leftists who are usually the people commenting in Atlantic articles going, yeah, I agree. How dare somebody try to force our kids to do something they don't want to do. How, how dare you try to force them in the military or be dig, uh, uh, ditch diggers or whatever the hell the government wants kids to do. Instead, I see a bunch of goddamn boomers talking about, oh yeah, we got to get all these kids off their cell phone to get them to stop playing Fortnite and make them go shit I want them to do. Oh, here comes Nathan's two-minute hate on, oh, the, on the boomers. Like, god damn it, <laughs> what the hell? is wrong with you people. Like, I can see these fucking people coming, oh, it'll be good for them. And I see all these kids on the YouTube surfing the world wide web. I see these people on their smartphones and they're tapping around and they're making their podcasts and I don't know what they're doing, but whatever it is, it's not good for them. I've already decided that because it's not what I used to do when I was their age. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take these kids and I'm going to put a gun to their heads and I'm going to make them build a road or I'm going to make them join the military or I'm going to make them fucking into the climate core, whatever the hell that means. 
And I'm going to put a gun to their heads and tell them that you can't go to school now. You can't start a family now. You can't start a business now or go to your job now. You have to serve the state first. The state has not gotten their service from you. So right. fuck whatever you want to do. The government owes you for another year or two. Whatever you wanted to do, you have to put on hold because the government needs you. They need to steal your labor. They need to steal your effort. They need to steal two years out of your life. And if you don't want to do it, fuck you. We're going to force you to at the end of a gun. You don't want to more, do it, we're going to throw you in jail. Well, more so than just that. This is your your typical passing the buck of responsibility. This is the, the number one uh, excuse that people that are proponents of a program like this are kids are undisciplined, kids are lazy, kids are wasting their lives, blah, blah, blah. So put some steel in their spine and have them, you know, join the army for four years or dig ditches or whatever. This is passing the buck of responsibility. This is the same kind of shit like, uh, all these uh, classes need to be in school for, you know, pick your, pick your societal ill here. That's your job as parents. If you have a child who is acting like a piece of shit, that's not a failing of the governments. That's not a failing of the schools. That's your fault. You raised a shitty kid and it's your job to do better. You don't like that your kid sits in a beanbag chair and plays Fortnite? Beat that ass. You don't like that your kid has his uh, face stuck in his phone 24-7, texting God knows who at all hours of the night? Beat that ass. And I know we have a lot of people out there that are all about peaceful parenting, and I'm saying beat that ass facetiously. But seriously, it's your job to instill discipline in your kids, not the governments, not the schools, and certainly not the army or some – modern day WPA or whatever the fuck climate core is supposed to be. I absolutely hate the core principles that go into plans like this. The core principle here is that young people can't be trusted to live their own lives, to start their lives at, at when they graduate high school. They've already been forced to go through how many years of schooling by the government, and after all of that, they're still not ready to go out into the real world. No, no, the government hasn't gotten them locked into classrooms long enough. Now they got to take two more years of your life to make you go dig a ditch or put on uniform and shoot at some poor Arab in the Middle East. You know, the, gov the base principle behind plans like this is that your life is not your own. You exist to service the state, and they right. will use you in any way they see fit. You will be damned. You have no choice in the matter. You have no say in the matter. Like I said, you want to start a family? You want to go to school? You want to start a business or, you know, find a job? Too bad. You, gotta, you have to do your time to the government. You know? Like, oh, you're... Own, what, 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 what do we hear from leftists all the time? My body, my choice, right? Hmm? Mm -hmm. We hear that all the time. That's, but apparently when it comes to this, when it comes to this, your body, the government's choice. The government gets to decide what happens to your body, not yourself. 
This is nothing more than than a modern day slavery. And I'll be always. It's why are you making those comparisons? I'm making that comparison because it's fucking accurate. If you are forcing people to give up their labor for anything else, anything less than what they would voluntarily trade their labor for, that's slavery. And if you have to force them into these damn programs and you're not paying them what they think their labor is worth, you are forcing them to give you right. their labor. That is slavery. And even that is with, something. Even with compensation. You know, they're, oh, slaves weren't paid. These guys will have pay and benefits. Uh, you know, as shitty as it is, slave masters put a roof over heads and food in their bellies. That's, I mean, terrible compensation, but it's the exact same thing. It's still compensation. You know, the, the thing I hate most is when I see libertarians look at a program like this and say, oh, man, people are going to hate this so much that they're going to turn to liberty to end it. They always use the example of the Vietnam War. You know, the, the classic example. Oh, well, the Vietnam War was so terrible that, and the draft was so bad. It was such an imposition that people protested and got it to end. The Vietnam War wouldn't have ended without the draft. And I just kind of look at them like, dummy, that is a stupid argument. Look, 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 guys, I don't, I don't want to, there's a lot of people that make this argument. And at a surface level, it makes a little bit of sense. It seems correct, but it's not. And the reason for that is the Vietnam War went on for what? Eight years Something, something like, like that. that. Seven or eight, something it like that. It went on for about eight years, and 60,000 Americans lost their lives in that war. Now, tell me something. We, you served in the same military I did, right? Do you yep. think a modern volunteer military could sustain 60,000 deaths and still continue to function? It in all depends war, on the enemy. Yeah, in a it, war that, that the public sees as not worth fighting. That's that's the key right there. The the Vietnam War, the draft certainly contributed to its unpopularity, but the fact that there was no clear enemy, no existential threat to the to the United States itself. I mean, I mean, no clear threat to the United States. It was an existential threat of the spread of communism, but it wasn't a direct threat to the United States. And also the freer flow of information due to embedded reporters who were on ground. Now, some people claim that they were intentionally sabotaging the war effort. I don't want to get into that, that little out in the weeds area, but it was more to do with the fact that there was no clear enemy, no clear threat to the United States, and the freer flow of information. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan now are so wildly unpopular. Again, there is no clear enemy, no clear threat to the United States, and the free flow of information. People know that it's a complete fuck around and a waste of time. That's why those wars are unpopular. The reason the draft didn't end in end uh, prematurely end World War II is because we had a clear enemy. We had a clear threat to the United States. We were attacked at Pearl Harbor first in a very devastating attack. So this whole the draft ended the Vietnam War is utter bullshit. It's other factors that ended the Vietnam War, and it's other factors that are contributing to our current wars being so wildly unpopular and hopefully coming to an end soon. Hopefully. But here's the thing about it. The draft in Vietnam didn't... The draft in Vietnam is what made that war possible to begin with. There yeah. is no way 
that we could have fought that war for so long and had it be so bloody if we had to rely on an all-volunteer military. Nobody would voluntarily sign up to go to Vietnam if they didn't have to. People who were in the service, they wouldn't, they wouldn't re-up in order to go back again and again to fight that dumb war. And, you, and people seem to forget, it's, it's, we have a lot of people in the military, but most people in the military aren't carrying a gun into combat. You know, we're not, Vietnam War, we weren't suffering the deaths of mechanics. People stationed on naval ships weren't being shot at. You know, people working at Air Force bases behind the lines, they weren't dying. It's people in the combat arms. All right. And who is going to sign up for combat arms to go fight in the godforsaken jungles of Vietnam and get shot at and killed for no good reason? You know, the only way to keep that going is the government would have to up the, the pay for, the, for combat soldiers higher and higher and higher until you get to, in order to make the supply meet the demand. But at some point in time, you're not going to be able to pay them what you need to in order to get them to volunteer. See, the only way that war was sustainable was the government to simply go into people's homes, yank young men out of their homes, force them into uniform, put a gun in their hands, and send them to be cannon fodder in Vietnam. The only thing that made that war possible was the draft. And these Democrats want to bring it back. Shame on them. Oh, yeah, I'm actually glad that you uh, just said that part about raising pay because I it just light bulb something that uh popped up on my news feed uh today and yesterday uh the uh army is looking to expand the infantry by let's see if i can find it here uh they want at least 3300 new infantrymen and they're prepared to pay a forty thousand dollar recruitment bonus Forty thousand. Yeah. See what I mean? You got to keep upping the pay in order to get troops to go into shitty situations where they get shot at, and the situation they're going into now is not nearly as bad as it was in Vietnam. Nope. You know, every time someone gets killed in Afghanistan, it makes national news because it's right. rare now. It right. doesn't happen very often in Vietnam. It happened every day. Yep. You we know, and still. Recently had two uh, two guys get killed in Afghanistan a, a day or two ago. Got killed by Afghani police officer. Yeah. Friendly fire, well, not so friendly fire incident, but yeah. That whole that whole war is an shit show. There, there, there's so here's the thing about it. You sign up in the military to defend freedom and fight for peace, justice, and the American way, and then you get sent to Afghanistan and you're told to stand down when a bunch of Afghan nationals are taking little boys into their tents to rape them. It's like, there's nothing that disillusions you with the military more than a situation like that. You know? Yeah. And that's exactly the situation that troops in Afghanistan found themselves in. It's like, oh, just ignore that. It's a cultural thing. So, uh, yeah, they, they, these Afghan nationals are bringing little boys onto American bases and taking them to their tents to rape. And our troops were told to stand down and that they could do nothing about it. Man, if that doesn't disillusion you, then nothing will. Yeah, there's, there's nothing that'll make you wonder what the fuck you're doing more than just seeing evil and being told that you can't do anything about it. When you know that you have the power to do something about it, 
but you're told that you can't. Not only that, but everything you've been taught since you were a little boy has taught you to believe that as an American soldier, you are the good guy. And yep. it is your job to fight for peace and justice. And then you get to that job. And then you go downrange. And you're ready. You're ready to go fight evil. You're ready to go kill terrorists. You're ready to go defend freedom. And what are you asked to do? To stand meekly by while the greatest evil you've ever witnessed in person in your whole life happens right just right down the street from you. Yeah. You were ordered to do nothing about it. These, this is, these are the kind of moral dilemmas this war on terror has forced us to accept. In order to kill the bad guys, we have to accept hundreds and hundreds of civilian casualties in the meantime. In order to make America safe, we have to blow up school buses fooled with little children. In order to ensure peace and prosperity and 4th of July fireworks for us at home, we have to bomb weddings. We have to make orphans and widows. And we need to ensure that future te that terrorism in the future has a prime recruiting ground because we've been murdering people's parents, people's husbands and wives for years. And all those people that are still left behind hold a grudge against us as a result. Yep. It's called blowback. You should have listened to Ron Paul, dude. He warned us. Ron Paul. Yeah, should have listened. Should have elected him. Ron Paul should have should have an eight-year term. All the wars would be over. The Fed would be abolished. The deficit would be gone. I'd be throwing gold coins at strippers. Cats and dogs <laughs> living together. Mass hysteria. Oh, but we but we weren't giving that world. We weren't given that world. We were given a world that was had to turn to Donald Trump instead. We so, were given. Hey, don't you have? World. Yeah, clown <laughs> world. We are living in the best and worst timeline possible right now. Yep. It, you know, what's that line from uh, Tale of Two Cities? It was the best of times. It was the worst of time. I have the feeling somebody a hundred years from now is going to write that line about us today. Honk that horn again, buddy. Awesome. And with that, we're going to call in a night. <laughs> I'm going to wrap that up. Remember, everybody, the website is roads2liberty.com. That's roads2liberty.com. Michael Chambers says, stripper coins. <laughs> yeah. Chambers, my man. Chambers, oh my dude. I don't know you, but you're my new best friend, dude. He was, he was one of my army buddies. You don't throw coins at strippers. You insert them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, road to number two liberty.com. That's the website. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Minds. We're on YouTube as well. We just put up a few new episodes. We had one with Robin Pearson of the History of Byzantium podcast. If you enjoyed that one, and a lot of people seem to be enjoying that one, please let us know when we'll do more episodes like that. We just had an interview with Josh Smith and Brandon Finney, who represent the Secular Caucus. Uh, next Monday, we're going to have a representative of the Libertarian Pragmatic Caucus on. Uh, and then the Monday after that, the Radical Caucus is going to come on to talk about theirs. Oh, and next Monday, no, I'm not going to say this right now because I'm I'm, I want to make sure that it happens. So we're, 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 you're going to have to wait. Maybe there'll be another announcement soon. All right, everybody, that's that's all we got for that. You got you got one more blast of that horn for me, buddy? Go to clownworld.us to check out the Democrat debates. <laughs> and remember, everybody, stay sane. Because the world will not.